I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the Story Studio. Oh yeah, here we go. Check it out now. Welcome to the Story Studio, podcast for an independent publishing company explore the world of self-publishing, independent art, and the future of storytelling. My name is Luke Condor with Kate, and I'm joined by a Mr. Daniel Wilcox. And then it says here, say hello. Hello! Uh, hello, say. <laughs> I feel like it's been ages since we've recorded. It has. We are. It we has. actually missed last week. Should have had an episode. No, we didn't. Last week. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's been, a, it's been a, a little bit of a break. You know, we've been re- refreshing getting used to it all, um, getting used to this writing down 2018 rather than 2017, which I keep doing mm. still. Um, yeah. I like the eight more than the seven, personally. I don't know why. It just feels a lot more yeah. full. Yeah. So how is the uh, the old writing going? You got a 5,000-word day done the other day, right? Yeah, yeah. I had, um, had a nice little whack into the keys. Um, but yeah, just chipping away at my collaboration with Michael Anderley in one of his universes, um, yeah, just just literally trying to trying to put the words on the page. It's quite nice because um, I think I mentioned it before. It's been a while since I've kind of first drafted a big project. Mm. I think the last one was Lazarus in the first draft for that we wrote last January February time. Yeah. Um. So yeah, just getting that down, falling in love with the characters, getting them a bit more rounded, and it's quite nice because I've had to re-experience that first sort of five to ten thousand words where it really feels like a slug. Where you're really trying to get to grips with what the world is, um, yeah, yeah. who the characters are, what you, what you're trying to get. And I'm now at that point where I feel like I'm getting the rhythm. I know who the characters are. I know what I want to go for. So, yeah, yesterday, um, just put a couple hours in in the morning and managed to pump out. I think it was five and a half thousand words in three hours, which is one of the fastest that I think I've ever done. Um, which yeah. is, which I'm happy with. I've never written that much in one day. I think my my uh pb personal best was about four and a half thousand it was one of mm. our short stories it was um the one we did for the rock verse the keep, keep my, my bones. bones yeah yeah mm. yeah that's um i don't know if i could do it every day maybe if i wasn't working I, job, job. I actually i actually found it surprisingly easy i so, so i managed to every time i put my fingers to the keys i had that that moment of pause where i suddenly went right what what am i doing mm. um and then because I think partly because I've recently read The War of Art and I'm just thinking about just getting the words down, yeah. that voice in my head just said, write shit. Write your first shit 100 words and then just keep going. Squeeze um, it out, yeah. Yeah, just like, just squeeze it until, you know, it dribbles. And <laughs> yeah. oh, that's a horrible image. I'm yeah. sorry. Um, but yeah, so I did that. And then also I've been doing a lot of sort of the Pomodoro thing at the minute. So yeah. I've been depending on how I feel my concentration is going, I'll, if I feel a bit tired, I'll kind of go for like 15, 20 minutes. If I feel good, I'll go for 30 minutes. Well, I've, I've found success with um, the same thing, 25 minutes. I'll find myself like starting to automatically go to Facebook and stuff. So what I've decided to do, <laughs> I, I do 10 minute bursts with one minute breaks for some reason. Uh. It's that, but it's like, it's the quick sort of uh, turnaround time where it's like, I don't know, it's like... Um, 10 minutes and I just feel that's a really good focus. Do you not then minutes. stop and kind of just look up like a meerkat because I've got um, an app. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I've, I've got an app that, I don't know if um, you've ever played with this. Have you ever played with an app called Tide, as in like Waves? Mm, no, I don't think so. I've not heard of it. It's it's really good. It's got, um, it's basically essentially a Pomodoro timer for focus, but it's got five different 
um, ambiance setting. So it's got like morning, forest, muse, afternoon, and cafe. Yeah. So I was sat this morning listening to the cafe setting, and as I'm writing, I actually feel like I'm in a cafe. So I feel like the eyes are watching me. Is that so kind um, of right. is that like a binaural thing? Like a uh, little bit, I think. Yeah. 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 Um, but then you just set the the time straight away from the thing. Just tap the the noises that you want, and it and it just happens. But that's been really really helpful for me. Cool, cool. Is that your big whip? Or have you got something else for the big whip? No, I'm going to see how your writing is first. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, so I finished the first draft of The Ruin. That came in at a lean 60,000 words. It's, it's, if you've been reading, if anyone out has been reading our uh, rock books, this is the most, I, I say it's incredibly action heavy. I don't think it is incredibly action heavy compared to like other books out there, but. For, for this series, which is all about like slow builds and big payoffs, it is more actually it's more Mad Max than The Road. If that makes sense. Mm. Although The Road's got some pretty violent bits in it, but um, yeah, 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 it's been fun. It's been really good to get that done. Feels good to just tick off a, like a first draft so early in the year. It yeah. feels like I've got the momentum going now. Keep it going, 2018. Yeah. Yeah. Hit your goals. Come on, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Come yeah. on, do it. But yeah, I think <laughs> you um, can do it. <laughs> I think I mentioned this to you as well. Like in terms of story, I think it it's due a bit of a an action push mm, because yeah. for those familiar with the the story, the first one there's a lot of that slow build up into getting the guy to where he wants to go, and the second one is a bit more exploring the world, and then this third one it's kind of that urgency of right, we need to now go yeah. and get the thing that he wants. I'm not I'm not going to give a lot of spoilers, <laughs> so that sounds like really generic, but. Yeah, I think I think it'll be worth it for um for yeah. anyone that is is reading that series, and we have had a few people already asking for book three, which has been quite quite nice. Yeah, yeah. So we get to get it's that done. Another, yeah. Uh, so I I just quickly do my big big book before I forget it because I am going to forget it. Um, have you ever <laughs> heard of a comedian called Eddie Izzard? Of course I have. He's okay. huge. He is. Yeah. So Eddie Izzard, um, he's a transvestite comedian. He is, you know, is an actor like he's been in big Hollywood films and stuff like a few years ago i think it's 2012 i want to say he did he decided that he was going to run uh, 30 marathons i think it is in 41 days and he, he'd never had any running experience before he, if you look at him he doesn't look like a particularly sort of you know healthy fit person um but it was a, like a charity thing he had five weeks to train and he said okay i'm gonna put the intention out there by if i if i make a tv show of it I'm going to have to follow through with it. So there's a, if you go on YouTube, I think it's three episodes about an hour long each of these. It's called Eddie Izzard Marathon Man. So if you go, you go on YouTube and check them out. They're so inspiring. Mm. I watch it because I, I'm, I'd like to run now. And it's, it's something I do. But in terms of writing as well, you kind of see how much of it is just pure grit and um, just all mindset. Like he says, like um, he's not particularly healthy. And if you ask me to do a marathon, I, I just couldn't do a marathon. I know I couldn't. It's just 10 hours of just straight, straight running every day and but like, you could isn't that the point yeah i suppose it is yeah <laughs> but um just just to watch those and just see this uh, uh really lovely guy sort of just say i'm gonna do this thing and then go through 40 days of like pain and hardcoreness and and then actually come out and, and do it like and do it really well it's just really inspiring so i think if you're looking for a big like kicking the ass, I think that is a good way to go. Mm. Another one, I don't know if um, you've come across him yet, is a guy called David Goggins. No, I don't think so. If you if you look up some of his videos, he did like some TED Talks and he was also on um, the Impact Theory podcast. Um, but he's a similar guy in that he, he's got a bit of a, a dark background, but he wanted to try and push himself to the limit. And for example, did something like 1,647 pull-ups um, in, in one go. And just things like that, but it's yeah. like a kind of um he wanted to prove he can get past his mental block. So the minute that he thinks that he can't do any more, he tells himself that he's forty percent of the way there. Yeah. And tries to give himself that extra bush. But yeah, he's I think he's like um a seal or something like Marini that yeah, he's just that that toughness, that mentality. But I think in a lot of cases it is the mental strength that pulls people through. It's Yeah. It's it's weird. So uh, he said, um at one point Eddie Adult said how do I how do I get through today's marathon is by knowing because he what they did is every they did the marathon every day for six days and he had a rest day. He, what he'd do he'd say, 
Um, so let's say he was on the first marathon. He'd be halfway through the marathon. He'd be feeling really bad and get. I just need to get through five more marathons and then I've got a break. And it was like just working these mental chunking. games. Yeah, chunking. Yeah, even though like a marathon in itself is insane, like he was able to <laughs> chunk it to the point where it was manageable. You got to think uh, though, if you're if you're doing how many marathons was it? Thirty. I think it was thirty in thirty in forty days. Yeah. If you're doing 30 marathons, yeah. one marathon probably doesn't seem that big. If you know yeah. that you've got another 29 ahead of you. And you know they've got like a TV crew following you and everyone's mm. taking off like 40 days work time to do it. Yeah. There's one point That's where he said, we... um, uh, I can't. I think he was like, literally like his, his like legs were swelling up and stuff. And he was like, I just can't stop because because you're here because <laughs> on the TV. Mm. And like, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know how you do that. There's a TV crew behind us when we're writing. Yeah, but you need to have like, I think I think I still think some people will crumble. I think some people would just like <laughs> crumble under the pressure. Yeah, yeah. but it's it's good. It's all about mindset, and I, I really enjoyed it. So that's my big whip. Yeah, have you thought of I'm, one yet? If you, uh... Yeah, I'm gonna um, <clears throat> just for the sake of time because we'll be speaking to Zach very very soon, Zach uh-huh. Rohanan. Um, but I'm gonna do my big whip as a, a little bit of a plug, but also for those who want to join us over on the Hawk and Claver Facebook group, we've just finished our first reading our first month of our readers club which was um joe hill's strange weather which how did you find it luke yeah it's fantastic it's um mm. joe joe hill annoys me in a way because you kind of want him to be a bit shit because you want his success <laughs> you want his success to be like oh it's stephen kingston do you know what i mean like yeah. but then you read it and you're like oh, oh fuck it he's actually really good in fact he's apparently he's quite big but um his writing is really good. Like he's he's very good at, at coming up with very unique, the sort of like magic realist horror stories. Mm. So if if anyone's read Lock and Key or or read uh, Horns or any of those stories, you know what I mean. But he's very good at coming up with these kind of strange concepts. And there's one story in there that 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 didn't use that sort of storytelling genre that I found so out of place and enthralled by it. And I, I just which really one was that? A loft lo- loaded. I just found. Uh, okay. It wasn't. It wasn't that sort of same style, uh, but I, I maybe I think it's just the breath of fresh air. It was the exact kind of story I really wanted to read at the time. Just like no mm. fantasy elements. Just give me some hardcore violence. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. I think he tied the story well as well and showed that um, without giving too much spoilers for those who haven't read it yet. But I like what he did with the whole um, misconstruing your perception. Yeah. So the part where as a woman came up, he saw a bomb as opposed to what was actually in the end um yeah but yeah that that whole kind of it's that distortion of your point of view and i thought he did that really really well because you kind of then have to read more into it but yeah there were a few in there that um or two in there that i absolutely loved which was snapshot and aloft aloft i think aloft sticks with me the most because it was the most unique Mm. um which for those who haven't read it it's basically a guy doesn't want to um skydive but he's up there because he's in love with a girl. And then he lands on what is essentially a cloud, but not a cloud that starts to almost bow to his every wish. But there's something that's kind of going on underneath the cloud itself. Um, but that was, I, I felt like that was so different. Yeah. And, and the way that he, he wrote, it was very dreamlike. Yeah. I liked, I liked the whole character development mm. and the, the sort of the metaphors that he used yeah. of the character's fears and controlling needs in, in the cloud. Mm. Yeah, it was good. I really liked it. Yeah, so I'm thinking we might, we've not really spoken about this, but we might do a bonus episode of just actually discussing the Strange Weather a bit more, potentially bring on um, John and have a bit of a chat. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for those of you that uh, are interested in joining us in our next read, we've currently got a couple of options up on the Facebook group for our February book. Um, have you got the list there, Luke? Yeah, so uh, Little Heaven by Nick Cutter is currently leading the pack. Um which I don't mind. I like I like the cutter quite a lot. Um, Head for the Ghost by Paul Tremblay, Bird Box by Josh Mallerman, Neverwhere by Neil Gaiman, Kin by Kilopatra Burke, a former guest of ours, The Girl Next Door by Jack Ketchum, as he um, uh, he passed away the other day, and Seed by Anya Olborn. Oh, that's a new one. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah so jump on in. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. I think that's, uh, that's all the intro gubbins we've you know, set the stage mm. enough. I hope you're all ready. Hope you're feeling it. Ready for the interview. Um, ready for Zach. 
Zach Bohannon is a father, a husband, a top 100 horror author. He writes post-apocalyptic science fiction, horror, and fantasy. He's the author of the best-selling zombie series, Empty Bodies, as well as the best-selling post-apocalyptic horror series, Final Awakening. He's also the co-owner of Multi-Universe Media. Zach lives in Tennessee with his wife, daughter, and German Shepherd. Among writing and being an avid reader, he loves to watch and play hockey and to listen to heavy metal. He spent his 20s playing drums in metal bands, and he heard he had a beard way before it was cool, around 2007. Welcome <laughs> to the show, Zach. Hey, Zach. <laughs> I love the way you guys say heavy metal over there. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> we pronounce the words. <laughs> Abs- absolutely. I love wait, it. So wait. now, how, how are you guys doing, man? It's good. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, Do you good. know, I like the way that Americans pronounce horror. Oh, yeah, because it sounds very uh, whorish. Horror. Yeah. Horror. Yeah, I can yes. barely, I'm terrible. I can barely say it. So. Yeah. yeah. Zach, so just firstly, so how long have you had the beard? Uh, I, I, I think I, it feels like it's, it's longer than 2007. I don't know. Like it sounded like that came up in the bio, but, uh, since like my senior year in <laughs> yeah. high school. So 2003. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so like, so I used to have a, I used to have a beard and then I felt like everyone, it became a very kind of hipstery thing to have a beard. So I was like, it is now, so, yeah. I don't want people like thinking of me that way. Like, do you have any sort of like grooming regime? Do you have oils and and a comb no, I donh don't do, no, I don't do all that stuff. <laughs> oh, natural. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's just there, man. <laughs> so see, I'm I'm just jealous of anyone that can grow a beard. I've had I've had the little sort of gingery puby thing on my chin for a good <laughs> eight nine years, but kind of yeah. I try and go for the beard, and it just comes out like a ginger sheep. You you've got like a I reckon you'd see a soul patch then, like a proper little kind of sort of yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, I could probably give that a go, see how that works out, and then post up a picture and report back to you guys in a few months yeah man. but uh this is that your uh picture on your amazon uh author profile you look so metal in that picture dude. Like that is that a band picture did you sort of go for like a band you know you look like a guy from uh, crowbar what was his yeah. name again like kirk weinstein yeah, yeah that's crowbar. the one yeah, yeah 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 um yeah it's it's funny like i don't I like like you said in my bio. I played metal bands for so long. I don't really know how to take a picture another way. So <laughs> the, the, the funny thing about that picture, I'll tell you what's really funny is that I took it myself, <laughs> and like so I have the camera on a stand and I have like a little Bluetooth uh, photo thing and it's like in my hand where my arms are crossed. <laughs> so it's kind of like I'm sitting there yeah. out in my backyard by myself looking all tough <laughs> taking pictures. So yeah. I do uh, feel like uh, if I don't buy your book, you might hunt me down and kill me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. it's 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 funny because i'm really like a really nice guy but it's i think i am at least and it's like it's so it's funny when i get those kind of reactions i'm just like ah. so it's <laughs> kind of fun to have those pictures up for that reason you know you know what they say that people like horror writers and, and people who write darker stuff tend to be extremely nice like uh jack ketchum yeah. who, who died you know recipes the other day yeah. he was meant yeah. to be one of like the sweetest guys to talk to but his that's what the darkest fiction i think like ever yeah yeah, it was uh, Jay and I were at, Jay Thorne and I were actually talking about him a little bit on our podcast yesterday because uh, we we got the news right before we started recording and uh, yeah, it's uh, I mean he from everything I understand he's a really re- he was a really sweet guy but I mean I'll I'll go ahead and stand pat and say that and I blogged about this a few years ago but like the girl next door is like by far the scariest horror book I've ever read <laughs> and so uh, and, yeah. and because it could actually happen and probably has happened. Um, so like, uh, yeah, it's kind of, kind of sucks. He's gone, but you know, it's, that's, mm. that's life, you know, it happens, it's going to happen to all of us. So, yeah. And he's left a nice, uh, you know, legacy of work that we can all jump into now. And absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, man. So, I mean, last time we spoke was a couple of years ago, you were on a, a podcast I was doing at the time. And, uh, I think at the time you were, uh, you were writing the antibody series as well mm-hmm. as doing like, uh, you know, standalone novels. And at the same time you were, I think you were like running a warehouse or something, <laughs> And, yeah, yeah, and no, that's being right. A father. Yeah. And you've done like all you're doing all this stuff at the same time. And like since then you've done so much. But I mean the biggest thing is you've you know, you've gone full time with the author uh career now. I mean, how how's that change been for you? Uh it's been awesome. Um so it's I guess it happened in April of two thousand seventeen and it's January, so uh whatever that math equals <laughs> to that's how long I almost coming up on a year in a couple <clears> of months. So um but uh but yeah, you know, I, at my job I'd kind of reached my my uh my peak like there was really nowhere else for me to move up and um it, it was at a point where it was just uh you know I, I didn't my heart wasn't in that job anymore yeah. and my wife and I had kind of 
you know, put ourselves in position where I could jump and make that move and my book sales were doing well enough. And, um, you know, so I was able to do that and it's been, uh, it's been awesome. I mean, I I'll say that it's not what people, I, I think for me, at least, I don't think it's, it's definitely different than I thought it was going to be. Um, I, I, I don't necessarily feel like I write a whole lot more than I did when I was full time. And I think a lot of, I think a lot of that is because, um, you know, before it was like, okay, I have to get up in the morning and I have to get this done before I go to my job. And now it's like, and, 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 and I've realized like, it's not that I'm being lazy by any means. Cause I get up and I get in the chair and I work, but I think I realized that the, the, the amount of words I was writing when I was in my day job is not much less than my threshold I can do in a day anyway. Yeah. So, um, and so it's, uh, it's been, but luckily I have a lot of other projects going on, um, that are keeping me busy. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's been great, man. I mean, uh, the, the best thing has definitely been, um, it's, it's definitely made my wife and I stronger, like more, uh, closer. Yeah. Um, cause our work schedules had lined up before where we didn't really get to spend a whole lot of time together and with our daughter all at the same time. And now, um, she has a couple of days off during the week and I, we're able to schedule things a little more and all that. So it's been, uh, it's been good. So it's, it's been awesome for that. And, uh, been an interesting change to say the least. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm curious, how, how have you found it in terms of social life? Cause I remember that a couple of years back, I was um, I, I ran my own business for about a year and a half, two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of the reason I actually went back into work, besides obviously um, stable income, was the fact that I missed being around people. Do you still find that you're able to keep up a social life? Do you see sort of certain friends more than you did? Or how does that work? No, that's a really good question. Um, n- no, I mean, it's that has definitely been a change. Um, it, it's, you know, my, my best friend who I've known, who I've been friends with for well over 10 years, um, he lives here, but he lives kind of on the other side of town. And, um, so we don't really get to see each other a bunch. Um, but it, it definitely has been weird, like not going into a job every day and being around people and, you know, I had friends at work and I was social and stuff. And, uh, that's definitely been something that's been hard to adjust to. And, um, my wife has to kind of make me sometimes like, Hey, you need to get out of the house and go hang out with some people. But, um, one way I've kind of combated that is by going and writing in coffee shops and stuff. And, um, I actually did that this morning. I went and I try to go one or one or two days a week and I've really gotten to know the people who work at this one particular coffee shop close to me and stuff. So, um, I get, I get social interactions that way, which has been really good, but that's definitely, that's definitely a challenge. Um, you know, and, and for some people, uh, like, aforementioned Jay Thorne, my partner, he doesn't care. He'd rather never talk to anybody. (laughs) So I don't think it's really bothered him since he's gone full time since July, but, uh, it's definitely been weird for me and been an adjustment, but, uh, it's, you know, it's just something I have to deal with, I guess. So yeah, the positives outweigh the negatives. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. What about like, uh, like local, like writers meetups and and that kind of thing, or is there anything like going up around there? There is, but I kind of stay away from it because it's really snooty. Oh, yeah, um, it's all it's, that traditional uh, publishing based. Yeah, yeah, it's Nashville. Like where I live in Nashville is very uh, like Tennessee as a whole is a very conservative state um, hmm. or a, tr- a Trump state. You guys might know them over there, but <laughs> Nashville is very Nashville is very liberal and very hipster, especially like East Nashville, um, and. Uh, so there's a, there's some different organizations here and stuff. There's actually one place, um, that, uh, that, that has like organized writing classes and stuff. And, um, I've actually tried to get to read some classes over there and they won't even answer my emails. So I'm like, okay. Right, but then I yeah. see other people who are running classes and like, they have never even published a book. So I'm just like, mm-hmm. okay, that's not, so it's like that kind of stuff. It's real snooty. Like, yeah. Uh, we don't really believe in even I can't even get libraries around here to like let me come and talk. So wow, um, it, that's so yeah, weird it's, it's, because you are like a, a full time author, <laughs> and like there's yeah, so, there's so it, many authors who are like you know moonlighting. The writing is just like what they do around the teaching of the writing, exactly. and it doesn't really yeah. make, make that much sense. But that's that doesn't seem right to me. I don't know. Maybe that'll change. So, so I've kind of stepped away, and um, you know, I all my author interactions are on. Facebook and you know with with guys like you and you know all my friends. yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. So, yeah 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 so what, what does your um daily routine look like is it I know obviously it will have changed since you've actually gone full-time in in the sense that you have more time to play with but how does that kind of line up in terms of do you split your 
I don't know, writing in the morning and your marketing in the afternoon? Because I know you said that you work on several projects at once. Yeah. So how, how do you kind of juggle those? Yeah, I usually try. I usually like to do my writing in the morning. Um, uh, and, and that usually starts around 7 a.m. I usually will get up and make coffee. And um, I, always, I always set aside half an hour for reading fiction in the morning. Mm. Um, so I'll sit in my office and have a cup of coffee and read whatever book I'm reading at the time. Um, and then I'll kind of get going and stuff. And um, different days are different because there's a couple days during the week where I take my daughter to daycare. So that kind of breaks up my morning a little bit. Um, but uh, there's a, and then there's a couple days where I don't have to and I can just kind of work through until I'm ready to make breakfast or if I want to go for a walk or go exercise or something. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I usually try to do most of my writing stuff um, before lunch. Um, so I usually get about three or four hours in as far as like drafting. Um, and then I'll spend the afternoons doing, um, admin work and like Jay and I are, you know, we just did our authors on a train trip in November and we were, um, put, we put together a short story anthology for that. So I was doing revisions for that in the afternoon. I've been doing outlining for some projects we're working on. Like I do that marketing, all that kind of stuff I do in the afternoon. Mm. Um, and, uh, and, and I usually, I usually work until about four o'clock or so. Um, it's it's usually about when I cut off sometimes a little closer to five and, uh, but, uh, but yeah, I definitely try to get that writing done, done in the morning so uh, I can keep other stuff in the afternoon. So what time are you getting up in the morning? Cause I know before I think you were getting up five ish, you know, like kind of crazy early. To get yeah. Writing. Are you still keeping that sort of discipline on that side of it, or are you a little bit? More I get free? I get up around six. Yeah. Usually. So still um, early. And, yeah, still early, and that's like, it's funny. The first few months I was full time, I didn't even have an alarm set. Um, <laughs> I, I just woke up, like, because I was so used to it. And uh, uh, another thing to remember too is I am I do have a toddler, so I have I have a three and a half year old, and she usually leaves her room and comes in our room around that time of the morning too. So that kind of, that kind of wakes me up. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I'm usually up around six and get the coffee going and then start my reading. And so I can try to get the desk and, uh, you know, start doing other stuff by seven. Like I, I like to check my email. I'll check, uh, check in on Slack and see if Jay has sent me anything. Cause he's an hour ahead of me. So a lot of the time, by the time I, I wake up, he sent me some messages and stuff already that I need to check. So, uh, and do a couple of those things. And then I turn all that off and get into my writing for today or whatever project I'm working on. So, yeah, yeah. Sounds, sounds awesome. Uh, so, uh, so before when we spoke, you were, you know, you were writing on your own. And since then you just mentioned Jay then, and you're doing a lot of, sort yeah. of collaboration. With him. What is that like the, the biggest change you made that sort of put you towards this, like, uh, or for full-time lifestyle or what are the big changes that you've made in your work and you know have they helped you along yeah you know it, it's it, it would be hard for me to sit here and say that that was not the biggest that wasn't that that was not the biggest change mm. um because um it, it it definitely that definitely was a big change and, and it definitely helped um you know and you guys could probably attest to this it's not necessarily that like a lot of people think and maybe it is like this for some people who collaborate, but it's definitely not for Jay and I, but it's not like collaborating makes you put out books faster. Um, at least in our experience, like we, it's not, we're not getting books done quicker just cause there's two of us on it, mm. but we, we both definitely agree that we are putting out much better work together and we're putting out stuff that we could never do on our own. Um, and another thing, and, and, and Jay says this a lot in interviews and, and, and we, we can't stress this enough, but, as far as our relation, our collaborative relationship, I think that something a lot of people miss is he and I are, even though he's way older than me, as I like to pick on him about, um, <laughs> we're, we're, we're in very, very similar life stages. So like, you know, our, um, we're in similar places in our career, as far as like the income and stuff we were making, we, we both have wives, we both have kids, we both have mortgages. We both left our jobs only a couple months apart. He left his a few months after me. So we were in very, very similar life stages, which gives us, you know, we, we understand that we, it's not like one of us has a bunch of like six figure royalties rolling in from a book and we, we don't need it as bad. Like both he and I both need to get stuff out and both need to work. So that really pushes both of us to make sure we're getting stuff done. And the other part of that is that like our partnership has led to, additional income that has really helped us along the way 
um, that has really made this a lot easier of a transition. I, I, I mentioned authors on a train hmm. um, that we did. That was a that was a writer's retreat that we did that, you know, there's that was that was income that we got that definitely helped out. Um, we have a couple other things like that coming up this next year. And any you know, of those are things that that I would have not done on my own and that he would have not done his own. But because we did them together or because we're collaborating and because we run this business together, we were able to do these things. And it, it definitely makes things a lot easier as far as like paying the bills and stuff. So, um, so yeah, yeah I mean, it, it definitely, it definitely has helped with this transition being in a partnership with him. Yeah. Do you think you would have been full time had you not gone into this partnership? Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if it would have happened as immediate as it did. Um, uh, especially because, um, I, I was working towards, um, getting, you know, going full time for a while. And, um, really I'd been working towards working for myself since 2012 with, you know, when I was doing some, a little bit different entrepreneurial, um, pursuit, but side hustle. Um, but, but, you know, I'd been playing this for a while and, and my wife and I had been financially setting ourselves up to do this. But, um, you know, when we went and, uh, the real life-changing moment for me was when we went um, and we did our our trip with Joanna Penn and Lindsay Broker, and we spent a week together in New Orleans riding a American Demon Hunter Sacrifice. Um, that was really a turning point for me, and um, especially the dinner the last night when we'd had a few drinks and Joanna started like basically saying. <laughs> you need to quit your job when you go home. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and when I got home, my wife was like, you know, like you are, uh, she's right. You do need to quit your job. And at that point, Jay and I were really early with what we were doing in Molten Universe Media. And we were still, we were just working on our first book together and stuff. So I say all that to say that like, I would have gone full time, but I don't know if, if, if we hadn't, had, if, if, if I hadn't had Jay there and known that we were going to be working on, like had all the plans we had, I might have I might have waited a little more, um, and also knowing at the time, you know, I knew that he was leaving his job because he had a contract, so that he knew he wasn't going to renew. So um, I think that kind of pushed me as well. So uh, so yeah, I don't think I think I would have eventually, but I don't know if I would have right then and there. So yeah, yeah. Uh, so Dan, go on. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Oh, no, you go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, um, so me and Dan obviously write books together, you you and Jay, and then there's um, Dave and Sean and Sean and Johnny, all these sort of like little writing Sean and everyone. <laughs> little writing partnerships going on. Um, I think there's a lot of people out there who are probably sitting at home alone thinking, where's my partner? <laughs> I mean, have you got any sort of <laughs> any advice to like, uh, for people who, who maybe want to Tinder. find a writing, <laughs> find a writing partner or, you know, what steps can they take to, to do that? Yeah. So I, the first thing, just to kind of reiterate what I said earlier, I think the most important thing is to try to find someone who has a similar life situation to you. Um, 
uh, which I've already talked about before, so I won't really get into that more. But, uh, but you know, Jay and I, we also there's a we have a lot of stuff in common other than books too. Um, uh, you know, we both come from playing in bands. You know, he's he plays guitar in, in a heavy metal band. Uh, you know, so we're both metalheads. Um, you know, there's there's we like a lot of the same movies. We, I mean, there's a lot of similarities there, and I know it can be kind of overwhelming for for um for writers to if they want to collaborate to find that partner because you know writers a lot of writers are introverts they don't really know how to get out and meet people and and I think the most important thing is um don't necessarily be looking for somebody to write with like I think that when that comes you'll just know um and and my best advice and and this isn't just for collaborating but just for networking in general is I think that you know you, you should definitely be reading books in your genre and whenever you, what I like to do is whenever I read a book in my genre by, especially by an indie uh, that I enjoy, I reach out to them and with no expectations, like no expectations that they're going to help me market or that we're going to, none of that stuff. Like I just reach out to them and say, Hey, I enjoyed your book. I give them some, cause you know, we love that as authors, right? We love hearing people tell us our books are good. And I don't even mention that I'm an author other than it's in my signature on my email. And being a fan of people is how I've gotten pretty most of the relationships I have in this. And, um, some, some people won't email you back at all. Some people will email you back and just say, thanks. And then, um, some people will, uh, will start conversation with you and it, it can lead to, um, you know, just being friends, having someone you can reach out to for author advice, doing cross promotion or in Jay and I's case, cause I was a fan of his before we became friends you know, we end up uh, just becoming friends first. And then we end up later on starting a podcast together and then later on deciding we're going to write together and then moving that towards uh, starting our own like little publishing company and stuff together. So, but all that came out of me being a fan of his and, you know, reading his stuff first and reaching out to him. So, um, you know, other than that, you know, uh, writing groups, if, if you have a local writers group, that's great. You know, Facebook groups are great with authors, um, especially if you can find some smaller groups, um, not one of these big groups, like a thousand people in it. Yeah. Um, I, th I think all those things, all those things definitely help. And, uh, and it also helps if you can find someone who has, um, different like strengths that are opposite to yours. So, and for example, in Jay and I's instance, I really, really enjoy first drafting, but I don't really like doing revisions. He <laughs> loves doing revisions, but doesn't really enjoy first drafting. So, and he's a certified story grid editor. Um, if, if you guys aren't familiar that, with the story is grid. Certificate? Yeah, yeah. Is that a certificate? Is that a certifiable uh, qualification? So grid? he was, yes, it's, it's a new thing. And he was actually in the first group of people that uh, was, was given it. There's, I think 20, different story certified story grid editors now. And, uh, yeah, he, he did like a week of, uh, a very, very intense classes, um, to go get that certification with, uh, Sean Coyne who wrote the story grid mm. and, uh, Tim Grawl. And so, yeah, he's one of the first. And, uh, so, so having that on my side, because we really, but we really believe in the story grid, um, really helps with planning books and with editing and stuff. So, um, so yeah, if you can find someone who has opposite strengths, because if you find a partner, if you love first drafting and then your partner loves first drafting, you can definitely make that work. But like, I, I think that, um, I, I personally think it would make it a little more difficult, um, from everything that we've done with collaboration. So, yeah. 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 Do you have a preference, Luke? I forget if it was, you're more of a first draft, right? Yeah. I'm not, well, I don't, I don't mind editing to the, I don't mind doing like a first pass of editing, but after that, it's like, I can't look at these words anymore. Yeah. Yeah, Jake yeah. loves it. Yeah. These are the same so, words I saw last time. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And 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 it's funny when you're in the position of the person who's first drafting, like you know, you have to be very very vulnerable and understand that this person is going to see your words that are probably pretty crappy, and it's going to change. And to me, that's okay. Like, I mean, honestly, I trust him so much that we have books that I haven't even seen after I wrote the first draft. Like I did not even read it when it was done. So that's wow. the kind of trust that he and I have to where like, I know that he's going to make it really good. And then I don't even have to worry about going back and reading it. I can just start working on the next project. Mm. So sounds pretty efficient. Yeah. 
So yeah, we like to think so. <laughs> <laughs> you've you've mentioned a couple of times about um different podcasts. Obviously, you had the horror what the horror writers podcast to begin yeah, with. Yeah, that was one of my favorites at the time, Zach. Yeah. And then it's uh, yeah, and then that, it ended. That was, that was, yeah, that was our old podcast we did. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and you've got something of um, an avatar on the pedal to the metal to um Rachel Heron and, and Jay. Um, <laughs> yeah, which trope listen on to Rachel. Yeah. <laughs> Take a shot. Um but yeah, tell us a bit more about your brand new podcast, The Career Author. Tell us a bit more about how that came to be and what you're sort of trying to achieve with it. Because, I mean, it's easy to say there's a lot of non-fiction author type podcasts, but every everyone likes to spin their own spin, I like to think. Um, so what is it that makes The Career Author unique? Yeah, it's funny you bring that up because, um, and he won't mind me saying this, but it was like, I'd been wanting to get back into podcasting for a long time. And... Um, if if people who are listening, if you've heard the name Jay Thorne, there's probably a reason. It's because he has a like <laughs> podcast. Um, so he's he he had, he had continued doing podcasting after you know we ended the horror podcast, but I'd been away from it, and I really wanted to get back into it, and I'd been wanting to for a while, and I could never sell him on. He didn't want to do a writing podcast for the exact reason, uh, Daniel, that you said. Uh, you know, like, because everything's already been said or is being said. Mm. So it was really hard to sell him on, on that, on that. Um, and to be honest with you, I don't really know what finally got him to do it. <laughs> um, I, I know he'd kind of come to a place with the intronaut, which was his podcast for introverts where he'd kind of said all he could say. Um, so I, I know he was, he was going to drop that podcast and, um, I brought him the idea and the format for the career author. And, and I had mentioned to him, I said, Hey, you know, we, we really enjoyed doing authors on a train and doing those workshops all week. And, uh, you know, we have other like speaking events we want to do on different types of really unique writer retreats. And I was like, I think that we should do a podcast where we can, you know, try to build more of that audience and stuff. And, um, you know, have, uh, so we have an audience to tell those events about so we can get more people to come. Um, and, and I brought him a really cool format. Um, he came up with some great, great ideas for stuff we're doing with Patreon. Mm. Um, and we've been really blown away by how much people have supported us early on. Um, but a lot of that is a test to him and some of the cool ideas he came up with for stretch goals. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, um, and basically what the career podcast is for anyone who hasn't listened yet, we're only our fourth episode aired today, but um, it's basically just a 30 minute podcast for authors each week. Um, we do, we do a, a, a news segment where we talk about some news going on. Um, and then we have a topic every week uh, where we, we talk about some, some different thing that, you know, we help, we hope can give advice um, and tips to people who are looking into writing and publishing, especially if they're looking to self-publish. Um, and, uh, and, and as I mentioned, we're also doing some cool stuff with Patreon where, uh, um, each, each month we're also recording a bonus episode where we're going to be watching a movie and then breaking down the plot, um, and oh, kind of oh, talking yeah. about why the movie works and, uh, kind of using the story grid as like a really kind of like loose basis, but not going too deep into that. Um, and so that's a really, like, we just recorded the first one of those yesterday. We did, we, we did, I am legend, the Will Smith film. Yeah. Nice. And, uh, yeah. So that'll be going out to our patrons and stuff next week. So, uh, so yeah, it's just been a lot of fun, man. And, uh, and it's, it's really cool to be back in podcasting. So, yeah. So, uh, you talking about the, the retreats as well. So the, the idea is to sort of get, you know, build an audience to get people on those retreats. Those retreats from what I've seen, the writing on train sounds, sounds like something I, I would personally really want to do is, I mean, are there plans to bring it to the uk yeah, exactly <laughs> hey hey that's not an excuse because we had two people from the uk on our last retreat so really? you guys can come to us. <laughs> yeah, yeah we had a it was cool man we had two people from the uk and we had one woman come from sydney australia wow so, yeah. yeah it was so that was it was almost half the group was international so it was really cool so uh the this one that you did recently is this going to be like a standard so is it from uh Detroit, Chicago to New Orleans. Is that, is that the route? No, it's, it's, uh, it's, it, man, you haven't been to the States. You definitely <laughs> to Detroit, believe me. I've been to Florida. No I've been to Florida and that's it. But no, uh, um, no. So we, what it is, is, uh, um, we, we met eight other authors in Chicago. 
Right. And we, we spent about half a day together in Chicago because the, the train doesn't take off. It doesn't leave the station until eight Oh five at night. So, uh, a lot of people started trickling in during the day and we, we all met up and first time everyone had met each other in person. Um, you know, we, we'd been talking on Slack and stuff for a couple months before, but this is the first time everyone had met each other. Um, and we took an overnight train to new Orleans um, every, everyone had a bunk buddy they were with. Um, so they really got to know the person they were traveling with. And, uh, uh, so that train trip is, what is it? Eight, 18, 19 hours, I think, or something. Wow. Um, so we, we get in about late, a little late in the afternoon on, on the next day. And someone's been murdered. <laughs> it sounds <Yeah. laughs> like, the, like the plot's like an amazing uh book or film <laughs> well that's actually it's it's funny because that is uh it actually is exactly what the plot of american demon hunter sacrifice is <laughs> that we wrote with joanna and Lindsay because we did the same trip that's how that's how authors on a train came about was because mm. we did the same train trip yeah. so that book all takes place on the train and demons attacking this train so um but anyway, so so uh, it does make for a good premise for a book. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It was but, very good. I can attest to that. I've read it. Yeah, it was that was a lot of fun to write. But, uh, <laughs> but so we get to New Orleans, and then we spent a week together. Um, every single day, we did workshops where we talked about you know Jay and I led these classes and lectures on like publishing and marketing, and uh, craft, all kinds of stuff. And then um, everyone in the group was paired up with another author, and. Uh, everyone wrote a, a maximum of 10,000 word short story. And, um, and not everyone wrote them that week. Like the week was spent mostly planning the stories. And then, and some people started writing and some people got pretty close to being done. Um, but then when everyone went home, they're responsible for getting their stories done and then getting them to Jay and I to edit. Um, and, uh, and, other than that, you know, we hung out, we went to the World War II Museum, we went and had a lot of good food, you know, we did stuff as groups, people went out on their own, people paired up with other people in the group. It was just a, it was just a week of writing, hanging out and learning. Um, and it was, it was, it was a blast. Um, it, honestly, it sounds like something I would really want to do. How, how much did that cost? Uh, I'd probably rather not say on this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that, I'm, 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 well, I'm mainly saying that because the price is kind of, we're, we're thinking about changing it right now. Plus like um, mates rates, right? What's that? <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Do you have mates I, rates in, in America? Is that a thing? I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> but, um, but if we okay. um, digging a bit deeper into that, so you, you had, um, eight people come onto the train or meet you in Chicago and how how did you manage expectations? Because I mean, I've I've thought a couple of times about just getting some people together and running short workshops in in Lincoln itself. So not even going that far, just taking local people. But yeah. to have a couple of people come from you know across the Atlantic to come to these workshops was that how did you handle that in in the way to be sure to meet their expectations and and make sure that they had a good trip? Was that was that quite a lot of pressure on your shoulders? You know, I think I felt a lot more pressure on that than Jay did um, because Jay has, Jay is a teacher. So um, Jay's background, he spent 25 years in education. So, um, you know, that's the job he quit in July. He was a high school teacher. So um, I think for, I think for him, it was a, it was, it was a lot less, there was a lot less pressure with that. And in turn, it took some pressure off me because he is the one who handled planning everything. So, which just made sense because he's a teacher. So, um, so he, he handled all the lesson plans and, um, you know, I, I was definitely involved and I helped teach and stuff, but it was, um, I, I was definitely a little nervous and the expectations were, I mean, cause it, this was a pretty, um, this was a pretty big task for us to take, especially when you think about the fact that we had just came up with the idea of sitting out having a beer in new orleans in march and then between <laughs> march and november we sold the trip out and executed it and went on it so it was only a few months that we used plan it so um you know i didn't know how i mean there were different things that there was a lot of stuff to think about i mean um what you brought up which is like oh are we gonna are we gonna teach them stuff they're gonna learn um and and also the other big thing was you know what if a couple of the collaborators don't get along mm. um, that was that was another big issue that we that we had to kind of work through, you know, and 
Um, luckily nothing came up too crazy with that. Um, but that's definitely something that that was risky, but, uh, but you know, having Jay there and having someone who, as I said, is, is such a good teacher and, you know, is there to kind of help guide me really took a lot of the pressure off. Um, and now that I've done it once, like, I mean, after seeing, you know, the great questions we got and hearing feedback from everybody and how much they took away from it and just how much they learned. Um, cause I think too, that, you know, I kind of take for granted, like that a, a lot of the stuff that I know from just studying and listening to podcasts and studying marketing and stuff that is a lot of stuff that like not necessarily every author knows, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so, uh, but after doing it once, there's pretty much no, like, I'm not nervous about doing it again. So I'm really, uh, I'm excited to go do it again, which, uh, to kind of go back to your question, you'd kind of asked Luke was, uh, I, I think you were kind of asking if we were going to do the same trip every single time. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so we're doing this again in November of 2018. Uh, and we are doing the same trip again, mainly because the most interest we, we pulled people and the most interest we got was a train trip to new Orleans. So, um, we'd given some options to some other cities, but people really want to do new Orleans and, and new Orleans is cool because it's not really an expensive city and it's really easy to walk around. It's not necessarily the safest city in the world, but I mean, if you know where you're going and you stay on the main roads and stuff, like it's, it's really easy just to get a hotel and walk anywhere you want to go. So it's really convenient for that. Yeah. And, um, it's also just got such a cool ambiance and cool history to write horror books. Yeah. So, um, so we are doing that again this year. Um, but the next time we do it, um, we might do something different if for anything to make it fresh for Jay and I, um, especially me, because I, I used to live two hours from new Orleans and I've been there more times than I can count. So I would like to go somewhere new, <laughs> you know, yeah, so, um, <clears throat> and experience somewhere else. I'd love to come to the UK, you know, but <laughs> yeah, we'll well, see. Boy's got a place to crash. You could do like a Edinburgh to London sort of, uh, train travel. It's, it's not as far It's like eight hours, but you know, yeah. London, London's cool. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that sounds really good, man. It sounds like, um, something that I would, Personally, really wanted. New Orleans, especially, is is always one of the places I've always wanted to go to. So it's amazing. It's an awesome city. So. Yeah. 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 Am I also sensing a theme here? Because am I right in thinking that Dawn, which is the first book in your Final <laughs> Awakening series, was set in New Orleans? It was. That's correct. Yeah. Is is yeah. that a bit of is that a bit of a theme? Was that inspired by that trip at all? Was that just a happy coincidence? Well, it's it it, it goes back to it's it's a city that I'm very familiar with. Um, and, and like I said, cause I, I used to go there every couple of months when I lived when I lived a couple hours from there. Um, and Jay loves new Orleans too. Um, so that was kind of when writing our first book, that was a setting we were both really familiar with. Um, so we thought that would be kind of a good place to start. And it just turned out that we also were down there twice this year. So we were able to do some research and stuff while we were down there. But, uh, but, but so, yeah, so it, uh, it, it's more just because of how familiar we with it we were with it, but it turned out that, uh, like I said, we were down there and able to do some location scouting and stuff while we were down there. So, yeah, yeah, sounds good, man. I mean, I'm really kind of uh, you know impressed and sort of it's amazing to see how far you've come like in the last couple of years, and I'm just excited to see you know where where you'll go next and and what you enjoy doing, and it's just it's just really good to see, man. Um, so just congratulations awesome. on all the good work there. Um, Thank you. So just yeah. a, a few more questions, then we'll, then we'll jump into the uh, the quickfire round. Um, so if all of your work was burned away in a post-apocalyptic nuclear meltdown, and you had time <laughs> to save a single piece of work, which book would you save and why? None of the one, none of the ones I did with Jay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just kidding. Um, man, that's a, that's a really good that's a really really good question. Um, it's a defining it, question. It, it is. Um, in all seriousness, like it's hard. It's hard because I have, I have books that aren't really, they're early books that aren't really written that well, but they mean a lot to me because they're my first writings. And also because there's some very cathartic stuff in those books um, and, and stuff that, you know, is very personal to me, but so I have that. And then also have the stuff that, you know, like Dawn, which has like been a really, really successful book, that's helped sustain Jay and I, you know? So, yeah. um, if I had to say one, it would, it honestly, it would probably be Dawn just because, um, 
the, the, the partnership that Jay and I built has been so awesome. And that is like the very first work we did together and kind of the birth of that. Um, so, so I would probably say Dawn if I had to pick one. Yeah. So, so in, in this post-apocalyptic nuclear meltdown, you give them book one, but not, you know, book one, it doesn't have the book two or three. So they get well, together we, the book. Yeah, I, I guess we could rewrite <laughs> book two and three. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> um, just a random question. It's my head just now. What, what films or books did you enjoy from 2017? Is there any sort of standouts that to you you thought were really good that, that you just like to give a quick shout out to? So I'll tell you, I'm, I'm going to kind of turn that question because what's uh, 2017 was a weird year for me because I didn't really watch a bunch of movies, to be honest with you. And I kind of like the last few years, I haven't been really watching movies. I've been one of those people who's been watching more television shows. Mm. Um, but further than that, um, uh, it, the big thing I did in 2017 was um, a few like a few years ago when I started doing my side hustles. And I was working the full-time job and I was doing, you know, writing and stuff. Uh, obviously, naturally, you have to cut things out, right? So, like, that you're doing so you can make time, especially when you get a kid involved. So, the first thing that I'd cut out at those times was video games. Yeah. Well, this year <laughs> was my, now that I, writing was my full-time job and not my escape anymore and, like, my hobby, I needed to mm. find something that I could get my mind off stuff. And I got really hardcore back into video games this year. Yeah. Um, so I, like as far as movies, there really wasn't anything. Um, TV shows, Stranger Things was awesome. Game of Thrones was great. Those would be the two I would the first come to mind. Yeah. Um, but really video games is where I spent most of my time other than reading. Um, and so if I can turn that on you and give you a couple shout outs to great video games I've yeah, played. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the, it's, this was a really weird year because I played two of my top probably three to five video games of all time this year okay, um, okay i'm excited I, yeah are you are you a gamer well i i am to a degree I, I tend to play more like indie you know smaller two-hour narrative games nowadays yeah okay yeah i i do a lot of indie stuff too um but uh but but as far as like the big games that really like an impact on me this year um horizon zero dawn was one of them um that was the first big game i played this year and it like that game has inspired me so much as a writer that I probably could write it off on my taxes. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it's just, it's just a beautiful post-apocalyptic story um, and just very well told great gameplay. Um, but a better story than I find in most movies these days, to be honest with you. And, um, but the, the other one, which ended up being my favorite game of the year and definitely my favorite game I've played ever was a, uh, uh Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. So, nice. Yep. Um, I, I picked up the Switch uh, in August um, and have put way too many hours into that game, more than I want to admit. So, it's, it's kind yeah. of amazing the amount of stuff you can do on that. I've not, I've not got it myself. But I have had, um, it sounds like a, a teenager now, but I played it around a friend's house. And, um, <laughs> yeah, just the amount of effort they put in to take one of the old sort of classic Zelda games and throw it into the new age is kind of impressive. It is unbelievable like mm -hmm. it the amount of stuff you can do and like i said i put way too many hours in that game i want to admit and when i beat the game i like it gives you a little percentage of how much you did of all the quests and everything you collected and i was only at 24 <laughs> <laughs> percent yeah. and i mean so it was ridiculous um but uh but yeah so try that that was just me kind of turning the question around on you so because no, games like is a yeah, yeah. deal this year so well i've heard I some of the things about horizon zero dawn as well yeah, no, yeah. I, was, I, was, I, saw, I was interested when i saw it but i wasn't kind of like there's a few other games but i've seen other people play it and finish it and say the story is like unbelievable like it's fantastic it really it really got the shaft because it came out i don't know if you remember this it came out the week before breath of the wild did uh, mm. okay and, and and they're very very similar games so i i feel like it kind of got the shaft as far as like attention and like game because i think it would have won game of the year if breath of the wild wouldn't have come out and it but it, it's definitely a better story of breath of the wild than breath of the wild is um but it's it overall like i mean the gameplay stuff is amazing it's just not quite up to par with what they did with zelda so 
Yeah. There's um, something to be said lately in, in the actual storytelling for games. In the last it's amazing. Know, four or five years, they've really, really stepped themselves up. I mean, I'm still a massive fan of The Last of Us is one of my favorite Oh, ones, yeah. I can't wait story. for it to come out, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what to read to, into it from the trailer because the trailer kind of seems to be taking a much darker direction, which I'm looking yeah. forward to, but we'll see what they do. But you're right. I mean, it. it I, I really, and I honestly think that, I mean, between the story and the music i mean all it's right up there with movies i mean yeah. some of those soundtracks are freaking amazing for some of yes. those games horizon Especially for writing yeah oh i write that uh i write to the horizon zero dawn soundtrack pretty religiously when i'm writing post-apocalyptic stuff so um yeah. <laughs> that's definitely that's definitely a, a a goal of mine is in the next few years is you know we jay and i want to look into uh um possibly getting into writing games. And, uh, you know, I have this, I have this vision of, I really want some really good indie studio to take Dawn or Final Awakening and make it into like a side scrolling 16 bit action platformer. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I just feel like, um, it would be, be amazing. It would be so great. Um, like a game I played this year, the mummy demastered, which was, um, based off that terrible mummy movie that came out with Tom Cruise. <laughs> But it's yeah. just a, it's basically a Super Metroid clone, and it is amazing. And I I'm, I played it, and I was like, oh my god, Final Awakening could totally be a game like this. Mm. And I really really want that, but uh, we'll see. We're kind of we're we're gonna try to maybe start getting our feet wet with that, but uh, we gotta figure that out, I guess, before we do it. So. So exciting, man. Uh, so um, I've got like one other question before we jump to the quick fire round. Dan, have you got any other questions okay. you want to ask? Uh, I'll hold back. You go. I was just going to ask, so what advice uh, would you give to a, a newer writer, a uh, newer self-publisher that they should ignore? So what advice do they tend to get that they should, you know, throw away and not listen to? Mm. <clears throat> ah, that's really hard. Um, and, and Nick's it off Tim Ferriss. It's in, <laughs> yeah. it's in his, like, uh, one of the questions he always asks people on his podcast. So that's, that, that flummoxes everyone. I'm going to yeah. try that. <laughs> Because you're always told what you should take. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it it's interesting. Here, here's what I think. I don't, I don't know if I necessarily have one piece of advice that I think people should ignore, but here's what I will say: is I think that if you're a new author and you're 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 hearing all these things like you know, oh, you know, I have to be on Facebook or I have to I have to have an author website and I have to do you know, this and that, I have to have audiobooks. I think that, um, I, I really encourage you to stop and ask yourself why, like, at what is your why? Um, J Jay and I talk about this all the time and it, it's in reference to, if you haven't seen this, um, go watch, a. Uh, now the guy's name just went off the top of my, I think it's Simon, Sinek, Sinek, Simon Sinek or start, something. Start with why, the Simon Sinek. Start with why, yeah, yeah. Ted. Uh, if you just go on YouTube and just type in start with why Ted Talk, watch that. Yeah. Um, any Anything that Jay and I, whether we were starting the podcast, like questions with websites, everything, we always say, okay, well, what's our why? And I think if you can, you know, figure out what your why is instead of just understand like, oh, um, this person has all their books wide and not in KU and they're doing well. So I'm going to do that. Like, I think if you ask yourself like what you're trying to achieve and, and ask yourself why, what, like what, what is, what is the result you want to get out of it before you just go do things? I think that is, is, is really, really important. And that you can apply that to any advice you get whether i think it's good advice or bad advice um yeah, yeah. so i hope that kind of answers your question because i don't really have anything specific i just think that a lot of authors just follow what other successful authors are doing without really asking why they're doing it and i think that's a mistake yeah i like it it's a good answer um yeah okay dan have you got any questions before we go to the, the quick fire round uh, I have a thousand, but I'm going to be respectful of uh, Zach's time, so we'll, we'll shoot into quick fire. I'm sure I'll shoot you an email at some point. Zach. I've been I've been talking too much, so it's no, okay. that's exactly why we no. got you on the show. <laughs> that's what we like. Uh, okay, Dan, do you want to go for the first question, or should I take it? Uh, after you, mate. Okay, Zach. Number one, what was the second to last book that you read? The second to last? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Trackers by Nicholas Sansbury Smith. 
What's the difference between a shepherd's pie and a cottage pie? No idea. What's your favorite have... alcoholic beverage? <laughs> oh, I'm actually drinking that right now. It is, I'm going to sound really posh here. It is a Samuel Smith organic chocolate stout. Nice. Wow. Yeah, I've, I've had that. Sam Smith, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. So. What's your favorite U.S. city? Uh, New Orleans. Mm. <laughs> the first film you ever loved. Back to the Future. Who's the one person you'd want to meet? Oh, uh, Stephen King. We'll say Stephen King. Do you believe in love after love? <laughs> sorry, I, I heard Daniel laugh and that distracted me. Do, uh, do I believe in sorry. It's do you okay. Believe, no, it's okay. Do you believe in love after love? After love. In after love after love. Yeah, it's that song. Yeah. Uh, do you feel something inside uh, yourself? Uh, 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 <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> <laughs> I just I didn't read these questions in advance and that just got me. Um who's your favorite creator who's not a writer? My favorite creator who's not a writer? Ooh. Um Oh. That's a really good question. Um I don't know, we'll say uh whoever made Breath of the Wild. We'll say that. Nice. <laughs> I can't remember his, I can't remember the guy's name. I think it's I don't remember, but yeah, we'll John see. John Nintendo. <laughs> Number nine. It's uh, a what, Japanese. It's a Japanese dude. Uh, what what <laughs> film makes you cry? Oh, what film makes me cry? Uh, Forrest Gump. Nice. And where can we follow you and your work? ZachBohannon.com is is the uh, is the best place. And uh, if you want to see what Jay and I are doing with our company, that's MoltenUniverseMedia.com. Um, and then if, uh, if the authors on a train stuff is interesting, um, and that sounds like something you'd be interested in, we have all the information on that on authors on a train.com. And we have like a little sign up thing. If you want to get some more information, such as find out how much it costs, um, you can, it doesn't, doesn't commit you to anything. Um, but you can sign up and we'll, we'll get in touch with you. Uh, cause we're currently taking applicants for that. And I can go ahead and tell you that we're almost half full already. Wow. So, nice. Yeah. Did you also, um, I know you've been talking a lot about the, is it the sell more books company? Yeah. Oh yeah. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Jay and I, uh, will also, we're going to be speaking at the sell more book show summit, um, which we are co-hosting with Jim Kukrell and Brian Cohen of the sell more book show. Um, and that is going to be in Chicago, Illinois, the first weekend of May. Um, so we don't have a ton of tickets available for that. And I know hotels are starting to get kind of crazy there. Um, so if you're interested in that, you can go to sellmorebookshow.com slash summit, um, we'll be there. Lindy Broker, Monica Leonel, Chris Fox, a um, bunch of really good speakers are going to be there uh, giving some good talks. So, cool. Fantastic. Okay, Matt. Well, uh, just a quick thanks to Disaster Peace for the intro and outro music, ACAST for hosting the podca- uh, podcast, the listeners for listening, our patrons over at patreon.com forward slash Hawk and Cleaver. Uh, thanks to Dan, my co host, for being here because without you, I'd be alone. Thanks, Dan. You're very welcome. <laughs> and then just one, one more time, Zach, thanks, man, for coming on. It's uh, been an absolute Thank pleasure. you very much. Uh, th- thank you guys you guys are doing some really cool things like I said Jay and I talk about you guys all the time so we uh, we, we appreciate you having us on cool. thanks man oh, we'll, we'll talk to you, you sure. yeah. awesome we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Story Studio Podcast still hungering for some podcast goodness then why not check out our other show the other stories oh and did you know Every time you leave us a review in the iTunes store, a puppy is born. Cute, eh? Anyway, toodle pip.